Let's go, folks. Time for the Gibby Show. Hey, new baseball fans. Welcome to another edition of the Gibby Show presented by Miller Lite, the official beer of Major League Baseball and the Gibby Show. I'm John Arezzi, and joining me, the former two-time manager of the Toronto Blue Jays, a member of the 1986 world champion New York Mets, co-author of the best-selling book, Gibby Tales of a Baseball Lifer, narrator of the audio version of that book as well. He is the star of the Gibby Show. Let's bring on John Gibbons, direct from San Antonio. How you doing, Gibby? Johnny, doing good, man. Just another another week under our belt, man. Some good, uh, Some good, exciting baseball. I know that. Oh, absolutely. The playoffs have been really wild and and what uh we are we're experiencing some very exciting baseball this year. Uh we are getting close to the beginning of the World Series uh as the exciting uh, championship series both finish uh with the champions of both leagues getting ready to battle out in the Fall Classic. Meanwhile, the Blue Jays are knee-deep in making the big decisions that will shape the 2024 season. We'll go over it with you. All here today on the Gibby Show and later on Gabbing with Gibby, brought to you by Tim Hortons. We will welcome former Jays pitcher, one of Gibby's favorite go-to guys, big game pitcher Marco Estrada will join us. And inspired by our friends at Miller Lite, we'll have another roast and toast. Uh, but Gibby, let's just get started with the leadoff. Gibby, we're going to go right to the Jays before we talk any playoff baseball or anything else. I mean, the organization has begun to make their assessments on the season that just ended uh, with the huge disappointment for Toronto fans and everybody else. And now they're beginning to look at what the 2024 team will look like. Uh, You've been there many times at this time of the year when the team begins to process, assess, retool Uh, based on your days as a manager, take us behind the scenes as to what's going on at this point during the off season. Well, Johnny, that's a, you know, professional sports, and I can speak to baseball. Is it's it's a year round business, and you know, front office people. You know, I mean, they they literally work year round. You know, and uh, you know, as coaches, we just go there for the six months plus the spring training, and then we get some time off. Those guys, you know what? They gotta, you know, they get they take a little break. Maybe they they're not quite as intense. They, they don't have those twenty four hour days anymore. But it's it's a it's a tough racket. But this time, it depend really it depends on what kind of team you had. If you got a postseason bound team you're so focused on that you know when 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 you're eliminated or win it all that's when you really start hitting on what, what you're going to do to repeat or next year if you're if you're a uh, so-so team like we were a number of years you know you you start you start playing in july and august man because you know you're <laughs> that early out, yeah and uh and what generally happens i, I guess with a manager in in the front office it really depends on you know what team and the relationships and things like that one one thing uh, I was always conscious of is, you know, as players, managers, and coaches, we want everything, right? We'll take it. You know, it's not our money. There's no limp, no budgets for us. This and that, but that's not the reality of it. And the, you know, front offices have to work within you know some some guidelines. So in in saying that, if you got a good relationship with the, your your general manager, there's there's constant give and take, you know, or or, or however your front office is structured. I happened to work for the three GMs I worked for, two of them were old friends of mine, right? And so it was it was like uh the guys that you know I'd go hang out with. So yeah, we'd bounce things off each other all the time. And they they'd seek out my advice, right? And in uh but the bottom line is if I really like somebody, you know, I mean, he can make us too much money. That's the reality of it all. And so they have to make some adjustments. But a lot of it they'll they will they will say, well, hey, what do you they come to me and say, What do you, hey, what do you think about so and so or so and so? I give them my opinion on her, or they may even ask about one guy on our team. Should we bring him back, or should we? Uh, there's somebody wants him, blah 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 blah, that kind of thing. So, is so much of it depends on, you know, your relationship with the front office and, and how you guys work together. With Ross, we didn't know each Atkins, we didn't know each other, so it, was, it took some time to develop. In the off season, he bounced some things off, off of me, not not like the other guys who I'd I'd be I'd, I'd talk to on the phone regardless, even if it's not baseball, because we we have that long term relationship, you know. Uh, but but in the end, the front office puts the team together. The manager takes what you give him and and uh, and runs the show, or is supposed to run the show. <laughs> so anyway, so that's that's kind of how it all works. But you know they'll they'll get into it. Next thing you know, they they'll have the GM meetings before long. 
they'll go over, you know, lay the groundwork for the things. Then you go to the winter meetings and a lot of free agent signings or trades are made. You get together with different teams and uh, everybody goes home and shows up for spring training. So uh, it's, it's, it's a year round business, especially for those front office guys. Yeah, it sounds, though, uh, in your explanation here that uh, you were kind of involved with those decisions, and it really was contingent on uh, the relationship with the front office as well. So uh, uh, curious to, uh, to, uh, to, to get your comparisons of JP uh, versus Alex uh, when you, you know, both involved in the offseason stuff. I mean, and then you have to then go to the Atkins era. So it really was probably different dynamics for each one of these individuals running the front office. Oh yeah, they're definitely, you know, JP, you know, the guy that gave me my first job you know, up there in Toronto and it was an old teammate of mine, you know, we were roommates and yes, you, we were. You, you included, you know, he's a, he's a Boston boy, you know, so he's got that hard edge about him. Right. So yeah. we'd, we'd, uh, I'm a Boston boy, I guess you could say with my blood, but I'm a little softer. Right. And, and anyway, but we, uh, you know, we 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 battle over guys. He 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 came from that Moneyball year out there in Oakland, right? When Billy Bean and them started Moneyball, you know, and the draw your walks and hit home runs, and uh, no stolen bases, none of that stuff. That was kind of the you know front runner to all this stuff nowadays. And so, and I like I like I like a little bit more of an upbeat game. And so we'd battle over certain things of that about that. I can even remember he came to town. I was managing the year before in Norfolk Mets AAA. And Terrence Long was on our team, right? And he was Billy Bean. JP was Billy Bean's right-hand man out in Oakland. And he came to town to scout Long because it was or in, in his Jason Isringhausen uh, mm-hmm. at the time because they were going to make a deal for that. I can't remember who, Billy Taylor or something. Anyway, uh, so he came in. in uh, we we're talking about him. And he it, it, during the game, I'm sitting over in the corner of the dugout. JP's like right there, and I'm, and I'm talking to him. I said, you want me to – he gets on. You want me to run him because you want to watch? He goes, no, we don't. We don't do much of that or something like. That. <laughs> I was still to see if he's still a base. He goes, no, we don't worry about that. So anyway, they ended up making the deal. They brought in Terrence Long, who played really good out in Oakland, and Isringhausen became a top closer. So that's kind of so. Our talking baseball goes way, way back, right? And and uh, but we didn't agree on everything. You're not supposed to, and we'd hash it out. We'd fight. And that kind of thing. Then Alex came along. Alex was JP's one of his assistant GMs, and he of course took over when uh, JP left. So we automatically had a relationship. He wasn't. He was. He uh, he a little more guarded than JP, you know, because uh, he's not from Boston, man. You know, in Bostonians, they don't care. They don't care what you think, <laughs> right? It's just like you New Yorkers, man. Between New York and Boston, for crying out loud, there goes the country. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> anyway, the. Uh, so it was probably a little bit more civil, but we had our battles and disagreements in, in the, but in the end, the manager has to realize the general manager is the boss. We all have bosses. And then of course, president's the boss of uh, the GM. And then of course the owner, right? You know, it's, it's, it's just like now Atkins is, is the boss of Snyder and that staff. And then Shapiro is his boss. And then you got the Rogers, right? That's just the way it works. And everybody's got a place, but it always works best if everybody's allowed to give their opinion. And uh, I used to tell you know, the, the JP and those guys all the time, because they'd ask the coaching staff too their opinion, which is very important. I said, listen, this is what you got to let everybody have their say. Now you're going to do what you, what you want to do and what you think is best for the team. Because what happens if you don't let everybody have the say, that's when people cut you up, man, because they say, well, you know, and then you make a move and they go, oh, what a stupid move. right?" But if they have a chance to put their own, uh, you know, thoughts on the line, we'll put thoughts on, on the table. You know, they, okay. You had your say, it didn't work out, but, then if you know, so I think that's important and healthy for an organization. You know, but I don't, I don't necessarily think it's run that way most places now. I think uh, because opinion on players, you know, your your visual appearances or what your the intestinal stuff, you know, that kind of isn't as valued as much as numbers. You know, they just can look at the you know the AI stuff. You know, um, so yeah, now the printouts that, that you receive are like it's you know rather than the gut feeling, it's like every nuance is on paper now. Uh, so it's got to be a lot different, and I would, I would, I would assume uh, that the three personalities that you worked for, uh, JP and Alex, and and of course uh, Ross, what different styles did they have? I mean, because yeah. Ross looks like an analytical guy, he looks like kind of a, a CPA, you know. But you know, but, but Ross, Ross was new to the job; we didn't know each other. Yeah. But but Ross would also ask my opinion of things. You know, uh, 
it was he. I don't. He did he, at the time when he was just starting out. He didn't have the freedom those other guys did, you know, to call the shots necessarily, because he was just learning the ropes. Mm-hmm. But he, uh, you know, in, in all three cases, it's funny, but it, it, over half the guys I wanted, we never got. I don't know what the problem. Maybe they were making too much money. <laughs> or trying to get all them Hall of Famers, you know, like they had back in the '92 and '93. Gibby, you'd probably make a good GM. Uh, well, it, 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 uh, yeah, I think I would, you know, I, you know, I, that's the be every fan out there. That's the beauty of baseball, right? Yeah. You, me, every, you know, our, our guys behind the scenes, everybody fan out there watches games, have an opinion on what they like, what they think that you should do. That's the beauty of baseball. Everybody can get involved like that. Right. And who knows who's right and who's wrong in, in, in the end, but, but somebody has got to make a, somebody has got to make a decision to live with it. And somebody has got to be accountable. That is very, very true. Well, uh, some really cool news uh, broke this week. The Baseball Hall of Fame's contemporary uh, baseball era managers, executives, and umpires ballot was announced. A candidate needs 75% of the votes from the committee to be elected into the Hall of Fame. The announcement's going to be made live on MLB tonight at 7.30 p.m. Sunday, December 3rd from the baseball winter meetings in Nashville. This year's list is pretty cool. Uh, it includes names like Davey Johnson, Jim Leland, your friend Joe West, among others. Uh, there's one name on that list Toronto fans are going to be very excited to learn about. 894 career wins as manager, member of the Blue Jays' level of excellence, skipper of the Jays' two World Series championship teams, none other than Cito, Gaston, Gibby. He's been on the show He's a friend, great guy, wonderful career. Could this finally be the year that Cito is enshrined in the Baseball Hall of Fame? Hey, let's hope so. You know what? Uh, you know, I've never necessarily understood how they they gauge managers other than you know win championships, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a long, longevity. You know, some guys are around longer, so they win more games and all that. But if you go by, he's got two championships, right? Uh, the other guys on the list, Davey's got one. Been to yeah. postseason many times, but one championship. Jimmy Leland's got one, and those two are my favorite guys. Jimmy Leland, uh, definitely a Hall of Famer, in my opinion. You know, when uh, you know everybody talks, another great one, uh, Terry Francona, right? He's got two championships. You know, he's been to a, a couple more, but okay. So Cito's got everything. Even Dusty Baker, who's everybody's a lock. You know, he had a great playing career. Cito had a great playing career, and now they stepped in. You know, uh, Dusty's only got one championship. Could win another one this this when this is all said and done. But that would only tie Cito. Mm-hmm. So I'm just saying he 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 deserves he deserves recognition. And if if I I don't know what they base it off of, but if it's got to be championships, I would hope if that's the case, he definitely deserves it, right? And he's one of the good guys, you know. So let's let's hope let's hope so. Definitely. And uh, another name on that ballot, uh, Davy Johnson. How do you compare like a Davy Johnson to a Cito? their styles, because obviously you know them both. Yeah, you know what? I don't necessarily know Cito's style, if, if viewing it up front, but everything I've heard about him, players, managers, guys loved him. He let you go out there and play. Davey was the same way. You know, Dave, Davey, hey, Davey had tremendous confidence in himself and in, in, in his players, right? One thing he did, he, you know, he never, uh, he didn't talk a lot. Either you know if he if he wanted to do something he'd go through his coaches a lot to go to the player and things like that, um, but he gave me my first shot in the big leagues. It didn't didn't last, didn't work out. But you know he's the, he's the guy. And it's funny, Cito's a San Antonio guy. D- Davey Johnson's from San Antonio, you know. So, uh, but Davey was kind of the Davey was kind of one of the. the I don't think he, he he's recognized, but kind of the uh, forerunners to all the analytics because he was a big numbers guy and he used his computer to very very smart. Uh, a strategist, but just ooze confident, right? And uh, that's the thing that stands out for me the most. He let the boys play. He knew he. Uh, bottom line, all these guys we're talking about all had good players. That's that's the key. Sometimes you know that's the right team's got to shine on you now too. These players got to shine on you. That's true, Davey. Of course, I remember as a manager of the Mets, and you were there in '86. Of course, uh, uh, he was uh, early analytics. <laughs> Guy, I mean, uh, the press guy for New York Mets in 1984 uh, was a picture of Davey sitting behind a computer. And, you know, computers weren't even that relevant back then when it came to the game of baseball. 
Hey, I will tell you this, though. Davey ain't going to yank you out of the game, man, if a number tells him to do it. He's going to no. see how you're pitching. I, you know, one of, the, one of the best things, too, when I because I was young when I made it, 21, and so I'm just learning the ropes, you know. Uh, but I always work with pitchers really good. But we we're, were talking one day, and, you know, I was asking about bullpen and bullpen usage or something. And he said what he would always do early in the season, right, if a pitcher got in the jam, middle innings or even starting to get later, he said, whether it's a starter or even if it's a reliever he brought in there, he said early in the season he'd give them a chance to get out of it, right, see if they could do it, at least, at least one or two times, right. If they prove they could, he's got something there. He knows he can trust these guys, right. You don't have to yank them at the first sign of trouble. If they prove to you they can't, you know what, now you know, and every, when you go out to take them out, they can't say a damn word because, hey, I gave you a chance a few times and you you proved you couldn't do it. Shut up, right? And I thought that, that's brilliant. That's the truth. But it but also it showed confidence in the guys. And, um, you know, even early on in my career that didn't last, he wasn't going to pinch hit for me early in the season. You know, he's gonna, he was going to let, let me, you know, if I'm playing the game because, you know, I was supposed to be their future or what have you. So that that's important. That's what's lost in the game nowadays. You know, it's – it's uh, and he would – you know, but you had guys like Strawberry Good and those guys come coming along, them young guys, Darlene at the time they were youngsters. Sid Fernandez, you know, see, these are our guys. You put them out there, let them go through the tough times. You know who did a wonderful job with that was Ned Yost over there in Kansas City when I was his bench coach. He had all these young guys coming up. Yeah, you might take a pound in a little bit. These guys are going to play. We they got the talent to be a, a championship team. They felt that's exactly what happened. But you got to, you know, you can't, you get, you got, you got to let the you can't let a number dictate everything because you're trying to build something that you're trying to build everyday players and everyday pitchers and multi-inning pitchers. And, but the game's changed. I get that, you know? Well, we wish them all the best of luck in that, uh, in that vote. I mean, uh, it would be really cool to see a couple of these guys get into the hall of fame. Oh yeah. I mean, big Joe West too. Joe and Eddie Montague, Joe. man, another long time umpire. Eddie Joe's got to get in on there for crying out loud. I mean, that would be great. That would be great. So we'll, uh, we'll continue. All worthy. That. We'll continue to follow that right here. You are listening to The Gibby Show, presented by our friends at Miller Lite. And I'm telling you, John, I'm enjoying my Miller Lights watching these playoffs, and it's it's so hard to contain yourself sometimes. And I just take that can of Miller Lite, and I'm just like, oh, I need it. Well, as, long as, as long as you're not throwing it at the TV for crap. No, you know? no, I'm not. No. I don't, mean, don't, wait, don't, don't waste it. No, I will not waste a drop for sure. They are the official beer of Major League Baseball and the Gibby Show. And Gibby, as we both know, uh, any time is Miller time. And you know what, man? For a light beer, they taste like a full-leaded beer, man. They absolutely do. Game five of this year's ALCS had it all. From the huge three-run home run by Adolis Garcia off of Justin Verlander that put the Rangers ahead in the sixth inning uh, to Garcia watching, walking, and spiking his bat and a slow trot around the bases to him getting drilled uh, by the first pitch by a 99-mile-per-hour fastball by Astros reliever Brian Abreu in the eighth inning. Uh, then Garcia goes after Houston catcher Martin Maldonado. The bench is clear. Abreu, Garcia, and Astros manager Dusty Baker all get ejected. Houston comes back to win the game when the unbelievable Jose Altuve, and I can't believe this guy, hits the three-run homer in the top of the ninth. Final score, 5-4 Houston. Uh, Give me, compare this game to game five of the ALDS in 2015 when your Blue Jays off the bat flip heard round the world by Jose Batista beat the Rangers. And what was probably your most memorable moment, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, as a Blue Jays manager, uh, did this game remind you of that night at all years ago? Uh, well, other than poor Texas Rangers, they were, they were involved in the short end of both of those. <laughs> well, you know what? It, it, yeah. You know, there wasn't, there wasn't any brawls in our game that, but it led to one that, the following year, but following year, you know, where there's some similar, the excitement of it all, right. It's, uh, you know, our, ours was an elimination game. This wasn't quite eliminated, you know, but it's, it's close, right? It's, it's going to, who, who's going to take control of the series. But the fact that, you know, you, you gain the lead late. And that's what, you know, that's what, uh, you know, Texas did against us with Odor scoring that run on that crazy play. Yeah. Um, and then Batista coming through, you know, uh, Mr. Clutch, Mr. Dr- Dr- Dramatics, right? And then, of course, they're down. 
we didn't have the brawl, but then, you know, the, here comes Altuve, one of the second all-time in, in the playoff Amazing. home runs, I think, right? Amazing. And, uh, yeah, you know, they, Danger to do a changeup is going down and into You throw anything down and into that kid, he, you know, he's going it, to it, – it's trouble. It proved it once again, you know. Um, but, yeah, just the intensity of playoff baseball. Uh, you know, it, it, we got it. We got to salute the Astros too, man. What, what is it? The sixth oh, yeah. or seventh straight year they've been in the championship series. I mean, it's a dynasty. I mean, they're the they're the yeah more so than anybody, you know. It and is. Um, uh, you know, it's it's crazy though to think they can't. They haven't been able to win at home all year. You know, there are a few games under five hundred on the season, which is really hard to believe, isn't it? But it's yeah. one of those crazy things you can't you can't figure out. Uh, so we'll see. But all they got to do is win one at home tonight to, to or, or the, you know, to finish off that series. So we'll see how that happens. Yeah. Uh, I do have a follow-up for you. Dusty Baker went wild after the Abreu ejection. He said that after the game, he knew he went too far when he got a call from his stepmom, which started off with her saying, Johnny D. Baker. He knew he was in trouble at that point. <laughs> It's hard, to, it's hard to even visualize this. A guy, Dusty's like 75 or whatever he is, and his stepmom calls him. Gibby, the question for you, did your mom Sally ever call you after an ejection to scold you? <laughs> Not immediately, no. But you know, she, uh, she, she had some advice for me along the way. There's no doubt about it. Uh, you know, the... Well, you got to be careful about nowadays. And in, in, uh, there's mi- there's microphones everywhere, right? And I had a couple of ejections, and you know, if it's around home plate area, you know, they got the mics, and you can hear everything you say. And it's on social media, and it can be embarrassing because I've had my kids you know, say, "Dad, what do you? Like, we heard you say this," and I'm going, "And that's a lot more important than me getting out my frustration sometimes." But uh, for my mother. My mother's a little bit hard of hearing right now, so that's probably a good thing she couldn't hear it on the mic. Uh, otherwise, she would have called me instantaneously, you know. Uh, but, uh, you know, du- hey, I, I loved it, Dusty. You know, you know what happened there, right? This is a bit, you know, this is playoff time baseball, right? And bean balls, so many times nobody knows for sure whether it was intentional or not a lot of times. It may happen after something, you know, when, when they we're going to talk about Garcia later, you know, it was trot. I don't know if it was a trot, it was a walk. But so when that happens, there's always thinking, "Uh oh, something's going to happen, right? But then the magnitude of the game is still a close game. Nobody would order that to happen. or I don't think anybody would do anything about that, right, in that situation. So you never really know for sure. So if that's the case, Dusty's arguing for his guy. Come on, really? You think he's going to do that, this and that? And then the umpires chunk him, right? And now the worst part about it, they're going through an appeal process and they can't even make a decision on that, you know, a few days after it happened. Let's, let's go, let's go uh, commissioner's office. You know, so I'd say this, so if you're going to suspend, they got to suspend it because they threw him out of the game for it. Right. You know, tack it on to the next year. Don't leave a team shorthanded because you do not know for sure whether it was intentional or not. You know, there's been some things in the, in the past, but it wasn't for, you know, bean balls. I don't think in the playoffs, I don't think they, anybody, you know, would do that. Uh, yeah. I think I, somebody was even talking about Bart Giamatti when, um, was it Giamatti or, or, didn't suspend somebody after a bean ball because he didn't want to leave a team shorthanded, or maybe it was some one of the other commissioners, you know, mm-hmm. after Bowie Q. But yeah, yeah, don't don't interfere because you don't unless you know a hundred percent. You know, guys, Jay Howell, I think because he had uh, pine tar and thing. Okay, that's that's different, right? But you don't know an intent, guy. Uh, so anyway, but I I, I love uh, Dusty doing it, but. Slow down, Dusty, man. It ain't working. Yeah, he didn't want to leave that dugout. You could just, he was sitting there, like, just like, and he wasn't going. And then finally, I guess they can't continue the game, right, no. until Dusty leaves. I mean, they yeah. just can't continue. Throw a pitch no. or anything. He's got to go. No, exactly. Exactly. Wow. Anyway, I mean, that was kind of exciting to see. And then he gets the uh, call from his stepmom. So uh, that was kind of a great way to end off this leadoff, Gibby. Uh, and now it's time for Gabbing with Gibby, brought to you by Tim Hortons. Four delicious loaded bowls are now available from Tim Hortons restaurants across Canada. Try the new Chipotle steak bowl for something savory. The new barbecue crispy chicken bowl for something smoky. 
the cilantro lime chicken bowl for zesty or the habanero chicken bowl for something spicy. All four bowls are packed with hearty ingredients, including tasty grains, lettuce, fresh diced tomatoes, and cucumbers, which are topped off with a creamy, flavorful sauce for an awesome meal. Gibby, these things sound too good. And uh, have you partaked at all or... You waiting for your next visit up to uh, to Canada? Well, de- yeah, I definitely do it then. You know, you can even put a you can put a donut on top of that, man. Mix that donut. You know, you can have a bowl, of pastry, get you some multiple drinks they have there, man. Hot or cold. You could get you could you know, do a good complement with a quencher, another baked good. It's it kind of it just sounds like a meal that's going to keep you going all day. Oh yeah, and then you know yeah exactly. Then you don't have to eat the rest of the day. Today on Gabbing with Gibby, brought to you by Tim Hortons, we bring on a former member of the Toronto Blue Jays. He pitched for the Jays from 2015 to 2018, raking up 39 wins as a Jay, including a fabulous postseason in 2015 that'll long be remembered by Blue Jays fans. He was also Blue Jays Pitch for the Year that year, as voted by the Toronto chapter of the Baseball Writers Association of America he played 12 years in the big leagues, was an all-star in 2016, had over 1,000 strikeouts during his career with the Washington Nationals, Milwaukee Brewers, the Blue Jays, and Oakland. It's a pleasure to welcome Marco Estrada to Gabbing with Gibby. Marco, great to meet you. Hey, guys. How you doing? Thanks for having me. Marco. Hey, yeah, hey. Hey, one of my all-time favorites here, buddy. And you know what? One of all <laughs> Blue Jays fans – all-time favorites. You know, when I, when I put out like, uh, you know, I'm like a social media darling, believe it or not, right now. Can you believe that? But I, I can't believe it, Gibby. I never thought I'd see the day. I know. It's that it's a necessity. But but I put that out that you were going to be on the show. I don't know how many people got excited and re- responded. And, and uh, so we're glad you're here. But also, it's that time of year, playoff time, right, when, you, when, when starting pitchers rise to the top, right? And when you need, when the games becomes all about pitching, and I've never seen a better starting pitcher, a big game guy than you. And I and I and I watched you do it for a couple of years, and I said, "This perfect time to get Marco on here." And he's, he's too humble to, to, you know, to brag about himself, but we're going to brag a little bit about you. No, here, I so. appreciate it, Gibby. <laughs> yeah, you know, hey, Marco, you were a special pitcher, and you know what? But there was something about you in big games. I don't think I don't think I've ever seen a or had a pitcher that was more composed. Did, you you didn't get rattled at all. I I mean I could never really understand it. And so we you know I talk with Pete Walker or the other coaches around. And go, hey, this that's our guy, man. You know we and, and I, how many elimination games you pitched to save our season, keep keep it keep us alive. So anyway, welcome aboard. So Johnny Johnny's going to start it off. We'll go a little bit back and forth, and uh, then we'll let you go out and hit that golf course again. How's that? <laughs> Sounds good, Gibby. I appreciate it. All right, fire All right. away, Johnny. All right, thanks, Gibby. Uh, Marco, you were traded to the Blue Jays on November 1st, 2014 from the Brewers, where you spent five years for Adam Lind. You avoided arbitration, signed a one-year deal with Toronto, and went to spring training, competing for the fifth spot in a crowded Jays rotation. You wound up starting the season in the Jays bullpen and was put into the rotation on May the 1st. Tell us about those early days with the Jays after the trade uh, and playing in Canada where you now represented an entire country. Yeah. First, um, I'm not going to lie that the, the call, you know, when I was told I was being traded to Toronto, uh, my family wasn't too excited, you know, just because spring training for me was in Arizona. I, I'm living here now and I was living here then. Uh, so they didn't want me moving. So having to move to Florida for spring training and then obviously being in a different country during the season, uh, we, we didn't take it too well. We weren't really sure what to expect. Uh, but I'll tell you what, as soon as I got there, I, I fell in love with the country, you know, the city of Toronto and everything. Um, and then having Gibby there, uh, yeah. who to this day is was – by far the best manager I ever had. And I'm not just saying that because he's on here, <laughs> but he's uh, easy to talk to, man. Easy to talk to. And then I really enjoyed, you know, my time in Toronto with him. You know, yeah, Mark, I, hey, I appreciate that, Mark. You know, I, I really do. And uh, But, you know, the, uh, as, a, as a manager, 
when you got good players, man, you got good people that, you know, it makes our job a heck of a lot easier. But back to that, when we, when we got you, we really didn't know what we were going to do with you. You know, you in Milwaukee, correct me if I'm wrong. You were a swing guy. You pitched out of the pen and you started. And so when we got you, we we're just, it was just kind of up in the air. What What's Marco going to do? And, uh, you know, we eventually settled on, you know, the, the bullpen, right? Why did we put you in that rotate? Was it out of necessity? We, we wanted to give you an opportunity. I don't even remember. Do you remember? So in that spring training, I had missed some time and I wasn't built up to start. So That's, that was okay. the thing. Okay. Yeah, you guys wanted to see, uh, build me up a little bit, throw me in the bullpen, which I had done before and I was comfortable doing. Um, but obviously I wanted to start. But I do remember when I went into the bullpen, my first day I gave up a home run. And I was like, oh, my God, this is starting off terribly already. Uh, spring training didn't go very well, which it never did. And I had talked to uh, Pete Walker about that before. I told him, hey, listen, I'm going to throw all fastballs here. I'm going to get lit up. And I did. I gave up seven runs, I think, and maybe two-thirds of an inning. And uh, luckily I had said something before because you guys probably would have re released me by then. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I went into the season relieved gave up that one run and then I don't know what changed my mentality completely changed talking to the guys in that clubhouse and, you know, kind of, I don't know if I gave up another run in the pen, but uh, I was starting to really enjoy my time in the bullpen. And I was like, you know, if starting isn't going to work out for me, I, I, I am loving what I'm doing here in, in the bullpen. So whatever keeps me up here, I'd be happy with. Um, but luckily you guys gave me an opportunity to start and then I guess never look back. See, I had forgot I had forgot about that you, you, the, the 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 innings issue and the health issue and all that because I, th I thought maybe we were really just stupid we weren't very smart or something but I'm, well, I'm glad no. you bailed us out. You know, I I didn't pitch very well in spring training and I don't remember ever pitching well in spring training just because I would I would try the same thing every year and just let's try to really focus on locating down and away down and away, uh. And it just would never work out. You know, I am i didn't throw very hard. So trying to sneak fastballs by guys just wasn't going to work. Um, so it wouldn't go to one. And it'd be the same outcome every year. But so I, I don't blame you guys, even if there wasn't an injury and you guys just didn't see me as a starter to throw me in the pen just because spring training didn't go well at all. But you know what, though, Mark, in reality, you look at all good pitchers or starting pitchers, right? They they go down your 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 spring training is to get your work in, build your innings right. up, work on your game like that. And sometimes we, you know, it, if we don't know you, we we have a tendency to focus on results a little more, even though that's unfair because it's spring training, right? We're with the good ones and they step, they say, okay, you know, so that's that's how that all, you know. So, but hey, it all worked out, man. I can tell you that yeah. right now, you know, it did work out. <laughs> but it, it's true though, it's true. Um, you know, we the guys, the veteran guys have that luxury of being able to go in and actually work on stuff. Whereas a rookie, you got to come in ready. You have to strike yeah. people out. You have to get outs because that's, that's depending if you're going to make the team or not. So being a veteran, you do have that luxury of just coming in and actually working on stuff, which I would do, but I knew I had to tell Pete before that, listen, it's not going to go well, but I'm going to do this and just, just follow me. And luckily he did. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we we got we got smarter. Go ahead, Johnny. I want to take you back to 2015. Uh, you had two huge wins in the postseason, holding Texas to one run in that potential elimination game for the Jays, keeping the season alive. And then once again in the ALCS, your performance against the Royals in Game Five, seven to one. You faced the minimum number of batters through six and two thirds. That was the longest streak for an AL starting pitcher in the postseason since Don Larson's perfect game in 1956. You only wow. allowed the one run. It was a homer to Salvador Perez with two outs in the eighth. Uh, and this is a question for both you, Marco, and for Gibby. How badly did you want to finish that game? And Gibby, how hard of a decision was it to take Marco out after that gem of, of performance? Yeah, it was uh, – obviously, you always want to finish. And if it were up to me, I would have finished the game. But I do understand that there's, you know, the the pitch count and everything. Um, but I also – I think I remember them saying, listen, we actually wanted to pull you out because you deserve some sort of acknowledgement yeah. for what you did today. And uh, so, you, I mean, obviously, I really appreciate that because that's, that's 
top three loudest stadiums I've ever heard in my life when I walked off that field. And obviously the Batista Bathlet, that was probably the loudest I've ever heard any stadium. But uh, when I walked off that field, how loud it was, um, it just made you appreciate that move, um, you know, to, to give me that acknowledgement. Um, I'm very thankful for that because I could have easily finished the inning. You know, there wouldn't have been any class. Obviously, you're walking off the field and you get some claps or whatnot, but no one knows if I'm going back out or not. So the ovation is just not the same. Um, so it was, it was nice to be able to walk off the field, get the ovation and and the appreciation. And, uh, I really, yeah, really appreciate that. Hey, I remember you said to me, I got to, hey, hey, let me finish this. this well, now, you know, you know, hey, go get your tip your hat, brother. You know, but yeah, you know, I did. But there was a game, and I'm sure we're going to get into that one, was the Texas one. That one, I, I tried hard. I tried hard not not to come off that field because we were on the road. So I, I don't care about any ovations or anything on the road. And I, I wanted to finish that game. I, I mean, it was the ninth inning. I needed two more outs. And I don't know if you saw me, but as you're coming out to get me, I'm yelling at you to – I got this. I got this. Like, get out of here, Gibby. It's my game. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, what's that? Well, hey, that's, that's, a, that's a, think about it. We dropped the first two to Texas at home. You know, it's best, right. you know, best, it's three out of five. Right. And, and you know, we, we never, you know, I had never lost confidence. We knew you were pitching and the, you know, our guys on our team, you know what? Hey. You know what they, they they we thought we could win, right? So we go down there, but we had the perfect guy on the mound down there, you, right? And yeah, you you, you threw you threw a gem to keep the the seasonal season alive, you know. But that's kind of you're you're from a different era. You got different mentality. I don't know how I can't ever remember you not going at least six innings. I'm, I'm talking about regular season. Anything? Did you ever go less than six innings at a start? Might have been. Oh, a- many many times that seventeen and eighteen for sure, but. uh Fifteen and sixteen. Yeah, I wasn't going to come out of the game. Uh, I, I begged to be left in there every single time. I I, I hated being pulled out. Um, I just enjoyed my time, you know, because you only get to pitch once every five days, so you better give it your all every time you're out there. And and I, that's what I wanted to do. Well, it's not just that though. It's a production, man. You know, I mean, you, you don't just leave you out there if you're getting hit around or something. But you you you, you sure. I you know I can remember saying to Pete Walker's so many times that. Marco does this easier than anybody I've ever seen. You know, you would you would dominate games. How hard did you throw? What was it, ninety one, ninety two? Maybe on a good day. <laughs> okay, compare. You know, nowadays, but you were you were a pitcher, right? And I and I still haven't seen uh, as good a changeup as you had in baseball. You know, I watch I watch plenty of games still. Where did you learn that changeup anyway, man? Yeah, when I was uh, coming up through the system, I was a fastball curveball thrower. Didn't have a changeup. Didn't have a cutter, didn't have a sinker, didn't have anything. Just literally fastball, curveball. And in the minor leagues, it just wasn't going well. I, I was around the plate a little too much and just needed something to throw guys off. So one of our first rounders, um, we were playing catch one day, and he's throwing me his changeup. And I'm going, man, this thing is nasty. I, I got to pick this guy's brain. So I ended up asking him that day how he held it, you know, what his mindset was when he was throwing it and whatnot. And literally, I, I think I pitched – three or four days later and I brought it out and I had finally had a really good start. And I was like, there's something to this. Uh, and, and, you know, guys would ask me all the time how I threw this changeup, but I told them it's, it's a feel thing. You either have it or you don't. It, it's really hard to just create one. And luckily, you know, the first day I threw that, it, it just felt right. And it just stuck with me. And I, I tell you what a do, what a dominating pitch to. And yet, so you were primarily fastball changeup, but you'd also yeah. drop that hook in there, you know, just yeah. keep everybody honest or maybe, you know, just w- w- whatever it was. But I can't, I can't know how many times I said to Pete, I said, Pete, Marco dominates a game with throwing 91 miles an hour, more than anybody I've ever seen, man. How, how the heck does he do it? Next <laughs> thing you turn, you turn, I mean, you, turn, you look up at the scoreboard, game starts. Next thing you know, you turn, look up there in sixth inning, at least you're going, happens every time. So anyway. Yeah, no, it was fun. And and my favorite thing to do was get those uh, infield pop flies pointing up in the air. Loved it. Loved it more than strikeouts. There's something about those just uh, really enjoyed <laughs> it. But, uh, yeah, I was, you know, you try to be efficient and keep your pitch count low, which I don't know if I was good at that. Uh, but, you know. Yeah, you I, were. 
I I do remember they showed us a stat on three two counts, and I think I let the team on three two counts, and maybe I tried to pick a little too much or whatnot, but um, I always felt like a hitter was in a swing on a three two count, and I think that's why I would get a decent amount of strikeouts at the time because I'd get to three two counts and you actually can expand a little bit more and most hitters would swing for some reason. I don't know what it was about a three, two count, but guys love to swing on that. Yeah. Well, they expect to strike and they don't want to go there looking. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I watch games now and, you know, now I can actually really pay attention to this because I'm a fan now. And, um, but I, man, it's crazy how often guys swing. You know, they'll take three zero, three one, easy takes. They get to three two, and they are swinging every single time. It's insane. You're Pitchers right. Need to, yeah, pitchers it's, need to use that to their advantage. And hey, let me ask you, but Mark, what what do you think about today's game as far as the pitching? I mean, it's like, you know, I'm not a huge fan of analytics. Obviously, I, I I'm think, not either. You know, because yeah. in the fact, that not only that, you. We're in a, a championship series, and you, you're watching bullpen games, and it's like, where are the starting pitchers at? Where are they? I mean, there's there's guy guys have trouble going deeper in the game, but they, they but then on the they don't even let them try, you know. And and uh, it's like, and and you wonder why. And these, those guys, this poor dudes down the bullpen, man, they can't they can't lift their arms. They're going, oh, guys. See, so the game, I I don't even enjoy watching it a lot now. No, it's driving me crazy. Uh, There's guys that definitely have earned the right to stay in there, deserve to stay in there. Um, But they're being pulled third, fourth, fifth inning, and it's blowing my mind. Now, if guys are getting hit around, that's one thing. But if you're giving up one or two hits and you're being pulled, like, what what are we doing here? Uh, And maybe the numbers say to do stuff like that, but numbers aren't everything all the time, and especially in baseball. Baseball, you just never know. Um, But I know – if that would have been me back then, the general manager or someone upstairs is going to hear because there's no <laughs> way I'm coming out in the third, fourth inning after giving up a hit or walking someone or, you know, we, we, we got into uh, a lot of arguments. That's for sure. Yeah. It's, it's like, you know, so different and guys are better. You know, they're throwing, everybody's throwing a hundred now. Um, maybe that's why they're pulling them. Maybe the arm can't sustain that long. I, I don't know. Well, you know, I don't think they're better. I, 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 I don't think they throw harder, but I, I think the skill hard, level, the skill. I don't think the skill level is good. You know, the finale, the feel of pitching, the breaking balls. I actually, agree. you know, yeah, I agree. Because everybody, that, the field's not there. No, they just come in and air it out like like a a, a late inning reliever, basically, and then. Uh, but you know, it's uh, that's the way the game is now. So you know, what are you going to do about it? There's been a lot of performances. This uh, I've watched probably every playoff game. I've watched more baseball this year than any other year, and it, it was tough the first year to watch anything, you know. And I had watched thousands of games in my lifetime, you know, in the dugout, which I loved. But being a fan and, and having to watch on TV, I, I didn't really enjoy it the first year. So it took some time. But now that, you know, this is the fourth year I've been retired now, and uh, I've watched more baseball than ever. And, and probably more than most. Um, but I pay attention. I pay attention to everything. And I critique a lot. It's a lot easier to critique when you're not out there doing it anymore. But, uh, yeah, I've watched a ton of baseball, and I enjoy it. But it's the game has changed so much. And these playoff games, are they, there's some games that are driving me nuts where the starting pitchers being pulled so early for no reason. Um it's just crazy to see. Like sometimes you just kind of go with your gut feeling, man, and leave those guys out there. You know, I don't even know if it's your gut, man. It's your eyes, man. Dude, this, yeah. this, guy, this, this guy's dealing. You know, what it makes it even worse now is the is the commentators. They're, they're, they 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 like lay the groundwork. Well, is he gonna? He's getting up this X amount of pitches here. He's in the fifth inning. You think he's gonna leave him in? You know, and they kind of you know set the table. Like I was watching that that Texas Houston game. They were talking about Evaldi, and I'm thinking. Valdi looks fine to me. I mean, what, you look fine to me, yeah. Yeah, and if, in the all the bullpen struggles they've had, why would you think of taking him out? You finally you get those starts that you want, you know. I'm it's leaving like, him in till he tells me he's done, which wouldn't happen. I don't see a guy like Valdi ever saying he's done. I'm leaving him in as long as he get get you as close to a hundred, or if not, I I would even go over a hundred. That could could have been your last game. Like I'm going out with yeah. my guy. Yeah. I'm going out with, with my starting pitcher. Let him do his thing, which he did. He did a great job. Shut, you know, did what he had to do. Got them 
was it six innings? Yeah. Um, but you know, you you always want to have your your starting pitcher go as long as he can for sure. Yeah, but I'm the commentary. Why even bring it up? So, Johnny, go ahead. What do you got for Marco? We got to get him on that putting green pretty soon here. Yeah, you got it. But I, if I wanted to talk about 2015, but just um, to follow up on what you guys are talking about. So, I guess the, the Jose Barrios removal in game two was. I didn't want to talk uh, about that. <laughs> it, was, it was rough. It really was. I mean, everyone's talking about it, but it was a rough. And I understand what you guys are saying. It was. Uh, it was a very difficult situation, but let's go back to 2015. Then, of course, um, you had two fabulous back-to-back games where you took no hitters into the eighth inning, uh, one against the Orioles, and in your very next start, you took a perfect game into the eighth, uh, broken up by a, a weak little infield single. And and a two-part question here uh, about 2015: What do you remember about those two heartbreaking games? First of all. And how special was it to be part of that 2015 uh, Toronto Blue Jay squad? So the the two, you know, seven inning no hitters or whatever it was. Um, the first one, no joke. All I thought to myself the entire time was, how am I doing this right now? I am all over the place. I, I'm not locating anything. I'm getting, I got away with a lot of stuff that day. Uh, I I think I ended up throwing 128 pitches, which was probably the most in my career. Oh, what? That's that's two starts nowadays. Sorry. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, you have a no-hitter going, and I know there's no chance in hell you guys would have taken me out, regardless of what the pitch count was. And I would have told you the same. I'm not coming out. I don't care if I throw 200 pitches. I'm getting this done. Uh, but as soon as that hit was done, you came out, I think, before the ball even landed. But uh, – it, that that game, I was all over the place. So I, I was just, I don't know. It, it was luck. It was more luck than anything, I think, or just right pitch at the right time because I don't remember locating very well. Now, the Tampa game, that game, I was locating. Felt right. Everything felt good. And uh, I thought I was going to do it. And, you know, people try not to think about it. I knew what was going on. And uh, and still, the, the, the hit I gave up wasn't – it's not like it was – Frust, which I wish it would have been. Um, luckily, it was justified later. I think Kiermaier came up and hit a, a rocket up the middle or something, line drive to center. So it was justified. And uh, it was a great game. You know, the defense was incredible. Obviously, Donaldson made that one play. And he almost made that one ground ball play also. Uh, but I think it was Foresight that beat it out. Um, the defense was incredible. And Navarro called a great game, as he always did. Um yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, and then what, what was the second question? It was just how special was it to be part of that 2015 squad? What a special it, year. It, obviously, it was very special. I think to this day, it was one of the best teams put together. Um, you know what? They, that team helped me out a lot. They uh, helped me out mentally <clears throat> because it wasn't like that in Milwaukee. Milwaukee, most veterans were – it's almost like they ganged up on you. And maybe because I was a rookie and, you know, I, I just kind of kept to myself. But it felt like it wasn't the same. With Toronto, It uh, guys wanted to make you feel better. They boosted your confidence every single day. And I, I think that's what changed my career. And it's not like I did bad with Milwaukee. I pitched really well, but the confidence wasn't quite there. I didn't, I didn't really believe in myself <clears throat> like I did in Toronto. And those guys did that for me. It was kind of it was kind of an odd bunch, though, wasn't it, Marco? Man, it was a good. It sure was. It, it it was completely different. Everybody was about flair and style and whatnot. You know the showboating, which I, I didn't showboat. I didn't like it. But, no, uh, no. You know what? If it made the guys mentally stronger, go ahead and do it. Showboat, do whatever you have to do to make you a better baseball player. Because I wanted to win, so it was a lot. Person of fun. Per- personalities, man. Oh, that that was that was a lot of fun, man. You were. He was such a big part of that. All right, real quick. Hey, for young pitchers out there, you know, everybody wants to pitch in the big leagues, the kids. You got any advice for young kids starting out that uh, might help them along the way? Yeah, well, when you're young, I think you should, and obviously I'm going to say this, but uh, you should develop a changeup early on. There's no need for a curveball. And I'm talking about, you know, 10, 11, even 12. You shouldn't start throwing a curveball until maybe high school or start practicing maybe a little before then, but 
I would stick to the changeup, fastball changeup, because I, I did it in the major league. So you're telling me that's not going to work down there with, you know, 10, 11 year olds. It's going to work. Practice that, perfect it. Um, obviously, you got to work hard. You got to work hard. Uh, I, I would hate days that practice would get canceled when it would rain. Um, so I obviously love the game. So if you love it, work your butt off. And man, don't take no for an answer because I, I got told no a million times throughout my entire career before the major leagues. Uh, didn't play varsity baseball till my senior year. I don't know if a lot of people know that. Really? Uh, had to had to go the the junior college route, and uh, even then was still told no. And uh, but I just there's no giving up in me. So I think that's the biggest thing is. If someone tells you no, you just don't – you just brush that off and you just keep working hard and, and do your job. Yeah, you know, I did not know that. I, I'll be darned. Yeah. You know, yeah. hey, Burley, Burley was the same way. Burley got cut his first two years in high school. Really? Hmm. Yeah, and then his – he the only, then his dad came to him and said, why don't you try out one more time? And he went back – it was his junior year, I guess, and made it. It was his senior and made it and then went on to college. Basically the same – I'll be darned, man. Both That's incredible. Guys. You kidding me? I, yeah. I had no idea. I didn't know that about Burley. Yeah. That's what, what do you we think Burley? So well. <laughs> hey, <laughs> you know, hey, hey, Burley ain't doing a whole lot these days except hunting and fishing, man. You're out there golfing Burley. We had him on the show a while back. He's nice. uh, he, he's living the good life too, man. You know, yeah, I reach out. I reach out probably I should reach out more. Uh but but the phone does work both ways. But he, he, That's right. he knows he knows he was probably my favorite teammate of all time. And I looked up yeah. to him more than anybody and uh, I reach out to him, but I, you know, I, I just look up to the guy and I, I don't want to bug him. Oh, excuse me. Sorry. Did I lose you guys? No, we're right here. Okay. Um, but yeah, I look up to him. So I, I don't want to bug him, but I do reach out at least once a year. Uh, but I do need to do a better job because man, I, I miss that guy. He's, he's the best. Hey, hey you ain't going to bug him, but yeah, he was, the, he was, he was the left-handed version of a, a complete pitcher. You were the right-handed version of a complete pitcher. We got oh, both, both, both on the same team. And you know what? That's what the name of the game is. You know, that's what yeah. pitching's all about. So, listen, pal. Hey, uh, we understand uh, you, you do a lot of golfing now. Russell, Russell Martin's a part of your uh, group now? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Russ is out here. He moved out about a month ago. Uh, we're, we've gone out a few times already and played. And I just found out that David Price is out here, too. So, I got to reach oh. out to him. And get that group okay. going because uh, we're gonna have a lot of fun. But Pilar's also here, and and now that you know he's back home, uh, I, you know I got to give him some time. But we got to—he'll get out. He likes to play a little bit too. So we've we've got a nice little group going. Hey, hey, Kev, man, Kev's still going strong. It's Kev, Kev must be a dead hooker, man. Even on that golf course, that's like that baseball swing. He's hooking that. He's hooking he, it all. Well, yeah, big slice. But you know what? He plays it. He plays the slice, so he knows his his game. So he'll aim okay. left. Oh yeah, he'll aim left and hit it. He'll, you know, slice yeah. the crap at it, and it. But it'll go right down the middle. He, he's he knows what he's doing. Big slice, but he, he knows how to how he to. Know, work he it. knows how to play. Well, good yeah. man. Will you make sure you tell all those boys hello for us, will you? I will do, Gibby man. It's so good hearing from you and seeing you. What well, we we got to catch up and uh, talk some more. All right, Marco. Thanks, pal. All right, good seeing you. Thank all right, you. buddy. That wraps up another Gabbing with Gibby. And Gibby, what a great guy. Very cool guy. Yeah, Marco's Marco's one of the best, man. He, he really is. You know, just to, you know, you, I always kind of, you know, you, naturally as a major league manager, you got to have talented players, you know, and that's that's the number one thing, you know. And the, But you get you get some nut jobs. You get some good guys. You get, I mean, they get all, you get all types. But the guys that really, really stand out, the guys like Marco, you know, that, Regardless of how good they are on the field, just good people, you know, that, that you enjoy being around, good family guys, all that stuff, you know. And he's at the top of the list with that. But, you know, he I tell you what, he did a heck of a job for us here in Toronto. And like I said, you know what, uh, if you need a big game pitch, I can't think of anybody I'd rather have pitch it than him. Yeah, definitely you have uh, had full confidence in him. And that was great uh, to see you guys interact the way you did. Now inspired by our friends at Miller Lite, it's time for this week's Roast and Toast. And Gibby, I understand that uh, this week's roast, I'm going to 
pass it over to you because you had uh, you had a little roasting to do for somebody that uh, hit a home run and caused a little controversy this week, Adolis Garcia. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, ironic. You know, we look back on our days we were playing the Rangers in '15, and you know, Batista with the old bat flip, right? That bat flip, gosh, it, it, the bat flip was nothing in comparison to this home run celebration or trot or walk, whatever. And you know what? I get it. You know, everybody celebrates a big moment. I get all that. But basically to walk to first base, then slam your bat. You know, maybe we go a little bit too far in this game. But, you know, you got the green light from up top, you know, that, uh, hey, let the boys play, that kind of thing. But you got when when it gets carried away to that point, uh, you got to expect somebody's pissed off over there. And, in, in, um, you know, it's like it's like hereditary in the game. You know, when you get pissed off, what do you do? You, you drill yeah. somebody. But the problem is that in that type of game, that kind of close game, I don't believe the Astros would have done that there. You know, they, they play those guys many a time the following year, just like Batista. They didn't, you know, they we had our problems a year later, right? Even though there shouldn't have been. There's no comparison to those things. But, um, you know, I, I think I think it's like uh, – it's like big government again, you know. You get uh, get these umpires too involved, you know, and the commissioner's office too involved, man. Let yeah, the boys I mean, let the boys play. Let the boy. Let the how boys about let the boys play? How, how about it? Let the boys handle it. Let the boys handle it. Exactly. Yeah, it was a little controversial, but yeah, I can understand that. I mean, because it did seem like it wasn't. I mean, when uh, Batista did it, heard around the world, it was just kind of a spontaneous flip, and this guy's just walking down the base. He's holding the bat, and all of a sudden he. He kind of spikes the bat onto the onto the field, and then he does that slow journey around the bases. So, yeah, it was a little too much. In his in his psychedelic shoes. Yeah, his psychedelic shoes. <laughs> hey, that guy—that's another roast I got for you, real quick. I'm going to sneak it All in. All right, here. go ahead, go for it. You know, I get every everybody wears. You know, they, they it used to be used to used to have to wear your team's colors, like in, for for shoes and things like that, right? Mm-hmm. Now you watch teams. You got the guy, especially when. The two most iconic franchises you think of in baseball, at least I do, is the Dodgers and the Yankees. You know, and then you get who's who's the shortstop or one of the uh, utility guys for uh, Kiko Garcia or whatever for the uh, Dodgers. I'm not sure if that's his name, but he's got like lime green shoes on playing for the Los Angeles Dodgers. And then, but then the worst of the worst, New York Yankees, the the clean cut, always have been no the facial hair. You got guys in that team wearing white shoes. Mm. Where the heck is Steinbrenner? Well, big, big George. You know his kids don't seem to care. He wouldn't went for like, it. But I think there. I thought there used to be a policy in in, in baseball and in, in the major leagues because you uh, you know sponsors' rights. It's a, you know you had to kind of keep a uniformed uh, uniform. I guess not. But then I see guys with these like psychedelic shoes. I'm going. No wonder we have problems for crying out loud. All right, let's get to the toast. Let's get to the toast and uh, this. Um... This week's toast is interesting. Um, the Marlins um, GM Kim Ng uh, declined her declined her option this year, but she did some amazing things with the organization. She's one of the brightest uh, executives in baseball. Uh, she brought the uh, uh, Marlins back into the playoffs, uh, and for the first time in a full season since two thousand three. Uh, she uh, brought in Skip Schumacher. She's done some amazing things uh, in her run. Uh, and for all the accomplishments that she had as a GM, as the first woman GM in Major League Baseball history, uh, and we're sure that she's going to land somewhere and be just as effective. So this week, Gibby, we're going to actually toast Kim Ng for her accomplishments as a GM of the Marlins. Yeah, great, great toast, Johnny. You know, I got a chance to meet Kim because I went down there and interviewed last year, you know, before they hired Skip. And, and I really liked her. I was, you know, I had heard her, heard her name and always heard good things about her, but she was really a, a, a good person and, and uh, enjoyed my time interviewing. But just shows you the volatility of the game. You know, that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they, they, you know, whatever, they didn't come to agreement. She didn't get an extension. But what's even worse than that is, is the, tougher than that, I should say. You know, is the uh, I think his name's James Click. He's, he works for the Blue Jays now. He was the general manager of the Houston Astros last year. And they they won the World Series, and uh, their owner down there offered him a one year deal, and he, oh. you know, he, he refused it. They just won the World Series. You know, I mean, what else you got to do? 
And uh, but that just goes to show we were talking earlier in the show. Everybody's got a boss. The manager, the manager's boss is a GM. The GM's boss is the president. And yeah. the bottom line, the president's boss is the owner. The owner calls the shots. But we we tip our hat to her. She did a tremendous job. But that's the nature of the beast, you know. Um, everybody gets fired or, or walks away, or you know, because uh, everybody wants those jobs. Yeah. They're uh, highly in demand, and there's not very many of them. There's only 30 of them, as there are 30 manager jobs, too. So, uh, yes, uh, uh, we do toast uh, Kim Ng. Uh, Before we go, Gibby, uh, we want to mention that right now, through October the 27th, ECW Press is offering a very personalized copy of the best-selling book, Gibby, Tales of a Baseball Lifer. It's a great opportunity for those shopping early for the holidays. All you got to do is go to ecwpress.com forward slash Gibby to order your signed and personalized copy of Gibby's best-selling memoir while supplies last. And finally, Gibby will be appearing in Toronto. You're heading back to Toronto Saturday, November 11th to appear at the Sports Hockey Expo with guys like Dave Winfield and Tim Raines, other greats of baseball and hockey. Even Mike Tyson will be there and the nature boy, Ric Flair. So it'll be an extravaganza in Toronto. That's Saturday, November 11th. For more information, go to sportscardexpotoronto.com and find out how you can meet Gibby himself. There you go, John. Uh, That'll wrap up this edition of the Gibby Show. For John Gibbons, this is John Arezzi. We'll be back next week to talk more postseason baseball with you in the World Series and all the Toronto Blue Jays news. Until then, have a great week, everyone.